to let's get busy living sober. Busy living sober. Don't laugh too much, you guys. Okay, I'm really excited because not only is Wheezy here. Say hi, Wheezy. Hi. And Amy's here. Hey, Amy. Hi. This is so exciting. We're so excited to have you. Thank you. This is an honor, honestly. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So tell us. We're going to say, well, tell us a little bit about you before we start. Okay. Well, my name is Amy, and I have a wonderful family, and I have four children and a husband. And um, four years ago, I found myself using, um, frankly, anything that was available to numb some sort of pain in me um, that I couldn't figure out through therapists, through... um, through anything, and I found it in alcohol and or pills, and um, it worked, and I was so thankful that it worked. I knew it was wrong, um, but I felt that that was the only thing I could do in order in order to stay alive. That's how dark it got. Um, and when it, it it was noticed by my family that something was wrong, but they weren't sure what. Um, I was distant. I was not showing up to anything. Um, and you know, I, I went to rehab and that didn't fix me. I came home, I relapsed and relapsed. I I was at five different rehabs with these four children at home with my husband. And, um, I've been sober seven and a half months and I'm so incredibly grateful and, and, um, I have a peace in me now that I have not had, um, probably ever, and I feel that it was finally letting go and um, believing that there's a higher power, which I thought I believed. I thought I believed in a higher power, in a God. We went to church, we, you know, but, but there's a stillness that I started in me that makes me connect. And um, that's been a huge thing. Getting a sponsor, doing the steps, all of these things. Like, I did not think there was a way out for me. I thought there was a way out for you. Lucky you, you found life beyond your wildest dreams. I hated when people said that. But I felt good for you. And I was happy for people, but I didn't think that that was gonna happen to me. Until I was like, I don't, I didn't have a burning bush shining moment of, I don't remember the day that it happened, but it happened. And um, when I get scared or feelings of um, trying to save everyone in my family that maybe they don't even need saving, but I think that, um, I just get quiet now and connect. I go to a meeting, I call people and... um, I'm not killing myself anymore. And my kids have a mom and my husband has a wife and my parents have a daughter and I'm a sister again to my sister. So it's good. And you never gave up. Oh my God. I didn't. I went back every time with my hand up. You know, I wanted I wanted to get what people had. I just didn't know how. And it's, um. I have to say, I have to commend you. So I have to do it. Because we always are so excited when somebody just even gets a day. Yeah. And then yeah. 
when you've tried so many times, I mean, you just said you went to rehab five different times and yeah. it didn't take. And I know you also had like a year of sobriety at one point. Yeah, I sure And did. that still mm-hmm. didn't Mm-mm. prevent you from feeling like, oh my God, the, the voices in my head mm-hmm. need to be shut up. Need to be shut up. And um, it would get to like a boiling point where it was like going to come out my ear. And that was when I would pick up, you know. That was when I would pick up. But, it, you know, in the beginning, it went from, I would leave IOP and I would pass the liquor store on our avenue and it was like an automatic thing. And I would go in and I would like really quickly, I would have my cash so no one would know. I would buy the bottle of wine. I would buy a corkscrew and I would go behind by the dumpster and I would pour it in my McDonald's cup and I would drink it. Like I was still so sick and, um, but I never gave up. Yep. You never gave up. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't give up. And Weezy, you didn't give up either. I didn't. I, and I went to, well, I went to the two rehabs, but I, you know, I've said before that it wasn't until I went for myself and I, you know, the, this whole surrender thing and just, just giving into the, you know, knowing that I had the disease and I was not. I was not in it for anybody else other than me. And I've said this so many times, the first time I went to rehab, it was all about, you know, quieting everybody around me. And, and meanwhile, I was, you know, still crazy. Uh, and it wasn't until I realized that I needed to do this for myself that I was able to, to grab a hold of it. And, and, you know, today is a, a year and eight months. I'm sorry, seven months. And this morning, what did you say to me? You said to me um, the first year we were talking about something and you said, I listened to what people said, mm-hmm. what, what people told me. Right. I listened. I finally surrendered and I listened. And I was like, and you, you truly did. And you have to be in pain for a while. I was in such pain trying to surrender, trying to, but just people would say, just don't pick up a drink today and it was like white knuckling hard 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 mm-hmm. feeling pain but it passed and it was like whoa that passed without drinking that passed without using something so like you that was just funny when you said that today like you listened to what people said and well I, and, and, and even going even in the most simplistic way and and the i mean for me uh, people said you know not to change you know um, you know, your job, your, I mean, I did have to move so that I didn't have any control over, but you know, anything, even in the beginning when people said, don't go to, you know, don't go to a restaurant that has a bar, don't go. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, really? I, I mean, (laughs) I can go to a restaurant Mm -hmm. with a bar. That's not going to be a problem, but even no matter, I, I didn't even try to think about what I felt about it. I just didn't do it. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, don't date, don't, you know, get in a relationship, don't change really anything that you electively can change. Other things, you know, you can't control. But so for the things that I had control over, I, I, I didn't change. And I, I, I did not date. I did not do, you know, a lot of things. I didn't go to functions that, um, that you know, had alcohol and unless I had to, but, but I had the choice and I made the choice based on what people told me to do. Um, and it worked. 
And it's interesting because listeners out there, it's kind of funny because we're sitting here, three women, and we all three are have been married, are married, um, and all have kids, and we were all battling this disease, and we all have different ways that worked for us to get sober. I didn't go to rehab. They've been to rehab. Um, and that's where I feel like getting sober, it can be your own way. Right? Yeah. Like whatever works for you works. Mm. And I know the three of us use 12-step groups because we find that important. And I know some listeners out there probably don't mm -hmm. just because mm -hmm. they don't have the resources. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know that you're going somewhere where there's really hard, it's hard to get, uh, like, to find a meeting is like you have to drive 20 minutes to get to one. Yes. And that's hard. Mm -hmm. And if you live in an, I can't imagine if you lived in an area, I mean, where we live right here and where I am in Florida, I mean, there's, I mean, I could throw a stone and be at a meeting in two seconds. Mm -hmm. And I find one that I like. But I know a lot of people that are listening don't have that resource there. So they might not go to a meeting. So when you think about it, and if somebody's listening and they're like, okay, these moms, they're just like me. They have kids and they're doing this. And I've tried this and it's not working. I mean, what would be the one thing that you would say to the listener that was like, and I want you both to answer this separately, but what was would be the one tip that if you could give it to anybody that you would share? For for people that don't have the yeah the, that don't have twelve step available. Um, well, I I know that there's so much. Even since I went to the the last rehab, that there's just so much online that you can. I think there's in the rooms and there's just a lot online that I at first thought seemed a little. Um, uh, I felt removed. Like I tried it a couple times. Um, and I think I tried it when I was doing the 90 and 90 because there was a day that I could not get to a meeting. And so I, you know, I utilized that. Um, but, but you know, it's, it's good. It, whatever it is. I mean, you could, you could go online and just look up a story of someone that you knew, who, you know, a celebrity or somebody, um, you know, somebody famous in sports that, you know, had, you know, a struggle and you could read their story. You could go and you could watch a documentary. Um, those things I think help reinforce, um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I just, I think there's so much to listen to. There's, there's, you know, there's meetings and online. So I, I just say to, you know, explore what's online. And there's so many blogs and there's so many different, whether it's, you know, um, mothers that don't drink or if it's, you know, whatever it is that whatever category you fall into, there is, there is a blog or a website. There's something out there for, for everybody. Mm. I feel that, um, it's important to, Except that there's incredible suffering in getting sober. Mm. Incredible suffering. And if you don't have the resources, um, you know, like Louise said, that's perfect. And I listened to the Bob and Charlie. Joe and Charlie. Joe and Charlie. Um, I bought it on my, I, you don't even have to buy it. I don't think it was like an audio thing. And I just listened to that and I would walk outside and listen and listen and listen. And even though the stories are so different, the pain was all the same, you know, but I learned the meditation. I learned I can do that at home. I can quiet 
and be with myself versus reaching for something to get out of me, you know? One one other thing I did too, and it sounds a little crazy, but I um, sometimes will, on my way to work, I'll, I'll go on YouTube and I'll, I'll look up um, comedian, um, sober comedians, um, recovering alcoholic comedians, and they have so many comedians, and Love it is that. so funny. Uh, and I, I, it just, you know, it, it brings some levity to mm -hmm. the disease and, and it, it is really funny. I mean, there's some of the, even just, well, I mean, there's the comedians and then there's also some interviews, whether it was, you know, a Larry King with, Ro um, with Robin Williams, just even his whole thing about, um, uh, you know, recovery and when he relapsed and I oh, mean, it's, I and, and there's so, you know, there's so much humor woven into it and it just, it, it, it's refreshing. And I want to, I want to circle back. Um, you know what I really, cause I was thinking about this earlier today with actually myself personally, it's the darkness. You just spoke about the darkness, Amy. And, um, it is such a dark disease. It is such a disease that wants you by yourself. It wants you not to be able to talk to anybody. It wants you to be able to keep it inside of you and never, ever be able to talk about it. And it is really, really, really dark. And um, and you think when you're in it that it's never, ever, ever going to go away. You think I'm going to live the rest of my life feeling empty, feeling alone. So feel, why live? Why live? Or why stop doing what I'm doing? Right. Because my life sucks. Mm -hmm. It sucks. Mm -hmm. I am like... I, I, my children would be better off without me. I can't get sober. I can't keep it together. Everyone... The judgment... I, I would hide some things in my closet, like in my boots and whatever. And I remember being in my robe on like a Saturday or Sunday morning and my kids all being downstairs and thinking... I can go make them pancakes and be a great mom once I have my my chugs of what I need. And looking out the window in my closet and seeing the people like doing things and I was like, how do they do that? How on earth do they walk their dog? Like I, it was so dark. It's yeah. so dark and you don't think it's ever gonna go away. Mm -mm. And I still have that happen and I think that that's where like the time piece it's what I do with the darkness today rather than keeping it inside because I think that um, that's the disease. Like, I, I, the alcohol was such a big proponent, obviously, and putting that down is the most important thing because if I hadn't put it down, I wouldn't have learned the tools that I have now to deal with the darkness. Mm -hmm. But I had to, like, literally get to the place this week where I, you know, even today, I was I had to call somebody and I called this person and I said, this is how I'm feeling. And the person was like, go write it down. And that's the last thing I ever want to do. I don't want to ever take a pen to paper and journal or write what's going on in my head. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> well, how is that? It's like in our mind, in my crazy mind, how is that going to help me? The only way of helping me is me to figure it out. I'm going to figure out on my own, my own willpower is going to figure, at least for me, I'm going to figure it out. Right. I don't need any of that. I'm going to figure it out and figure being alone and figuring it out is the hardest part because if I'm alone and I want to figure it out in my head in my head I keep just keep playing it over and over and over and in fact it gets worse 
Oh, yeah. It gets so much worse because then I catastrophize it even more. Like, it's going to be like this for the rest of my life. No one is ever going to love me unconditionally. No one's ever going to treat me the way that I want to be treated. No one's going to fill my empty. I'm always going to feel alone. I'm always going to feel scared. I'm always going to feel fearful. And that came over me today. And I was like, I don't want to feel like this. Mm. And the last thing I wanted to do was write. But I wrote it down and I wrote, and what ended up coming out was like, I was really, I'm just, I'm scared to let go. Mm. I'm scared to let go and know that everything's going to be okay. And that that higher power you talked about earlier was going to be, it was going to restore my life. Mm. But the one thing that helped me was that in my life, I remember feeling like this before. Like, I remember feeling like, oh my gosh, my life is horrible. I feel fearful. And I remember writing it down. And then it wasn't fearful anymore. Like, it really worked. Mm. And that was the huge part. Like, I needed to get into action, even though I didn't want to. And, but I did. And I, the darkness ended. But that doesn't mean that darkness is never going to come back again. Right. There's the tricky thing, you know. Right. It's like I'm a human being. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think anyone Mm -hmm. has a perfect life every day of their life. Do you? No. And it doesn't always, it doesn't always relate to the alcoholism. It just could be, you know, just things that come up and things that are challenging and things that are sad and depressing and, and cause anxiety I mean it doesn't always go back to you know um your your alcoholism well the alcohol it's not the alcohol but it's the ism that Mm -hmm. we talk about because the ism is the mental health health mental health it's the mental health and we all we just use different substances to shut our brain up even though it doesn't work anymore because now that's depressant all these drugs that we put in our bodies are depressants oh my god the fallout from that is is Hell. Right. So it's a vicious cycle of like, how am I going to get through it? And you have to get through it by feeling the pain for a while right. until something else happens. But you have to take some action. Yeah. And taking that action is the most important thing. And I think that all of us, and I know you both d- deal with, um, I know that um, Louise has a lot of anxiety. That, and when she went into treatment, they diagnosed that, which is huge. And I know Amy has a lot of depression. Mm-hmm. A lot of depression. And it's something that even scares you that it's going to come back again. Yes. Will you talk about that depression a little bit? And then Louise can talk about the sure. anxiety piece. That'd be awesome. The depression part um, has been with me since college. And um, it's just bouts of it. And I remember sort of the time when alcohol or pills, it was like, whoa, I took something for, for pain or something, and I remember, like, whoa, this is taking away that feeling. So the, the feeling of depression and wanting to isolate. And, um, and I remember just thinking, like, well, I have to take this in order to, like, feel normal, you know? Um, but the darkness in the depression was really, really, really um, a big proponent of why I kept uh, um, relapsing. It was just like, I didn't want to feel the depression. But honestly, whether people believe in it or not, like I went to a, to a psychiatrist and um, I started on a medicine and it didn't work. And so I was still looming through, you know, whatever. Um, 
I tried another one and then that didn't work. And then the third time I tried something new and, um, and I don't feel the darkness anymore. Um, that doesn't mean it's not going to come back in some way. Like it might not be as, as dark as it was, but if it comes back, um, I'm not, I'm not as scared anymore, I guess. I'm really not as scared. I was so scared of it. Yeah. Well, and for me, with the anxiety, um, you know, I, growing up, I, I, I my mother was, um, you know, she had anxiety. And I mean, you can look at this as what's natural and what's adapted. And, and I do believe that a lot of my anxiety was adapted. And, you know, I grew up in the house and I know other people, it's, I'm not just, you know, picking on my mother, but, you know, she didn't, uh, thunderstorms, lightning, all, you know, all that. I mean, we, we unplugged everything. We, you know, you had to be so far away from the telephone, the, the sink, the, you know, God forbid you even were in the shower, but all those types of things. I'm, you know, my mom did not, she wasn't a swimmer. So, uh, even though we had a pool growing up, you know, I never really learned to swim well because she had such a fear of it. Um, you know, and, and every kid takes on something different. I mean, my sister didn't have that anxiety. She was a good swimmer. She, you know, but I, it, it was, and it, and it makes sense too, because I was the one that was so codependent. So I was so close I was so connected to her. So it was almost like every feeling she had, I had. And if I didn't have it then, you know, just wait a couple of years and it will eventually come out. And so, um, so what, what started happening was that I was, you know, I would medicate for that. So, uh, you know, I didn't like to fly because she didn't like to fly. And a lot of people don't like to fly. And a lot of people drink and take pills and when they fly and I did that and it was all anytime I had a situation whether it was even you know a lot was driving and I commute two hours a day um, and when I think back especially towards the end of my drinking um, it it made me it, it made me so much more anxious because now I was in in a situation where I was you know having the withdrawal in the morning and so there was all these things that was just they were like layers upon layers of and, and so what used to help me with drinking to squelch the anxiety and put it to rest was now, you know, intensifying it, it was it. totally intensifying it. So I would get to the point where literally when I was driving, if there if if, you know, if, if it looked like it was going to storm, um, it was it was so bad that I would get myself to a point where I, my my hands and especially going over a bridge, uh, oftentimes I would have to stop before I got to the bridge and just try to calm myself down or call somebody. But I would get to the point where my hands would would lock, almost just like little claws, like little lobster oh. claws. And I could not, no matter what, I couldn't, I couldn't open them up with my other hand. I, I just and my my legs would start shaking. Um, and then and so when I went to rehab unlike the first time they they did uh, a lot of attention was given to depression and anxiety um grief those three things i would say were the the, the three things that they that they um 
highlighted and, and, and made sure that you were, if you were in any of those categories or all three of those categories that you were, and, and I actually was because I was also going through a divorce. So I managed to get into each one of those, <laughs> those groups, but, but I would say anxiety was the one that was, you know, I felt the one that I needed to concentrate on the most. And, and so, you know, the bottom line was I, I went on medication because to me, you know, I know a lot of people, especially when you're recovering and, you know, that a lot of people are opposed to taking any medication. And, and I get that and I, I, I respect anybody's decision. However, for me, um, I didn't, you know, I, I truthfully initially didn't care. Like I didn't even, I, I didn't care. I just wanted whatever it was that was causing me to feel this horrible and this anxious and so paralyzed mentally and physically that it didn't matter what it was. I wanted it to go away. And, and fortunately I got something, you know, that was not, um, addictive and, and, and it's made all the difference in the world. I mean, my, my, my brain is quiet and, and I, um, you know, I contribute my recovery to the quiet, but I also know for certain that, you know, the medication has helped just level me out and, and not, I mean, I can, I can drive in a thunder. I, I'm not going to drive through it. You know, I'm not going to be a storm chaser <laughs> by any stretch, but I, I can drive, you know, and not have the anxiety that I used to have. It is so, for one, you both are like warriors. I love to use that word these days because I truly believe you're warriors. And I think that the fact that you don't put the judgment, like if somebody doesn't like the fact that somebody takes pills, then, and if somebody judges you, I think that's a problem. And I think you need to walk away because I think that we have like medicine science is so amazing now. And the fact that they've come up with a drug that can help you and it can help you get quiet and help you like live your life so that you're present. I say go for it. And I don't think that somebody else can. And I don't think another human being can tell you what's right drug wise. I think a doctor can obviously and a psychiatrist can. And as Amy mentioned, she tried a bunch of different things before she found the right actual thing that worked for her. And I think that if that is out there and you need it, that I think you should find it. But I think that it's very hard, and I, I, I want to stress this because I think somebody cannot diagnose you until you're sober. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that if you're in your addiction right now and you're using right now and you want to go, to, I, I think you need to get sober and clean before mm-hmm. you can get a real diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Because you can't diagnose somebody if they're totally t- lying to their doctor and they're t- drinking all the time or taking pills that they, they don't tell the doctor or smoking weed. Well, the depression for me from, from you know, coming off of alcohol or pills or whatever um, was, for the most part, a result of, of coming off of them. Your brain, it's, it's the science of your brain. And the endorphins have been all used up. There's nothing left. Your synapses cannot connect with, you know, it's science. And so I had to wait for that to like settle down. And then the depression was still there, but it wasn't like, yeah, the dark, 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 you know? And same with anxiety, I think, right? Oh, absolutely. And you know, we're all wired differently. I mean, I, I, I mean, sometimes for me, I just, 
people that I know that don't understand my anxiety of when I hear the, you know, the forecast and I know it's going to be, you know, torrential and winds and all this stuff. But then at the same time, I could look at them and say, you know, if they were asked to speak in front of even 10 people that they knew, not strangers, that they absolutely would turn white as a ghost and, you know, just have insane anxiety. So I can't really relate to that because I can speak in front of people. So but but I but can I understand the whole thing, the whole you know, I understand that everybody has their you know, whether it's depression or anxiety or, you know, it, it just manifests itself differently in, in all of us differently. It just does. And that's just our, you know, our makeup. And that's why it's, that's why I think judgment is so bad because people want to judge everybody else, but nobody knows what it's like to be in someone else's shoes. But there's anxiety and there's the depression. And then, and then for me, it's the so I don't have depression anymore, but my thinking is um, my thinking on a daily basis is not always right, you know. And so I have to talk to other people that that can can help me with that, you know. Other alcoholics that say, no, no, you need to do this, like have some quiet time. You know, you said that the other day, you have to meditate. That's what you're going to do. You're going to hang up the phone. You're going to meditate. And I did. And then I connected with my higher power and it eased it. It's just the, the flow of my day got better, you know? Yeah, I, I mean, I can remember, um, you know, towards the end again, but just the, the anxiety was so high. I, I couldn't even, it got to the point, I could not go in a parking garage. Um and I and I knew, I, or at least I thought, that would never change in me. That the, all these things that I had, all these fears I had, and they were they, they were insane. That I would have them for the rest of my life. And I mean, I I would drive into a parking garage if I had no choice. And I used to think to myself, I wonder if I am the only person out of the hundreds of people that drove into this parking garage tonight that that saw themselves you know, smushed like an accordion, you know, that was my thought. I mean, right going in there and the whole way up to the very tippy, tippy top until I got to the top. And then I was excited because there was nothing on top of me to crush me, you know, but, but, but just all this time and energy exerted into thinking, you know, that anxiety of just, isn't that uh, weird what you just said? That's like sobriety. You're at the bottom, the accordion's crushing. Right? Right. And then you go around and around and around and you're getting a little higher, a little higher, a little higher, and then you're at the top. Right. Wow. Yeah. And I can breathe. <laughs> right. It's and now true. you can breathe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's the best gift. And I want the listener out there, I, we just, I just, for one, we want to tell you we love you even though we don't know you. And um, we can relate to the fact that you have this and... Um, it's just awesome that you guys are here, and I want to thank you guys for being here today. Oh. I really appreciate it. I want to do this again, um, and I want, if anybody's out there and they're listening and they feel alone, please reach out. You can reach me at busy, B-I-Z-Z-Y, at busylivingsober.com, and that's B-U-S-Y. And please reach out with any questions or comments, or um, if you want to, if you have a question specifically for Amy or specifically for Louise, because you're battling depression, reach out. I'll send it to Amy. She'll write you back. Um, if you want to have a question about anxiety and you want to talk to Louise, please do that. 
Um, and then if you have anything for me, just reach out and just know that you're not alone. That's the biggest thing and that there is a solution. You don't have to die from this alone. You don't have to die from this alone. And you don't have to want to die. Yeah, because sometimes you really want to die. And I can tell you this, um, we are going to do this again. And we're going to come back with you. And we're going to talk to you actually next time about what it means to be selfish. Because I didn't understand what that meant. And that's a little teaser so that you listen next week. <laughs> <So good. laughs> Until next week, keep getting busy living sober. <laughs> Bye-bye.